Uh, hi, my name is Vadim. I'm CEO of Clicky, and you are listening to App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. Um, I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. Uh, this is a show that helps you out as an entrepreneur, a startup founder, or even if you're just in a corporate job and you're interested in this world of uh, entrepreneurs that are the most incredibly helpful founders uh, helping us in our journeys. Uh, we deconstruct success, we look at failures, and we learn uh, in our own journeys. So if you are any of those above, then uh, this is going to be the episode for you, because I do like to go around the world. And today, uh, I have landed uh, in Europe, because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the tech world in Europe. And I've got a wonderful uh, co-founder. Uh, his name is Sorin Nielsen, and he is the co-founder of Earn It. And we're going to learn about Earn It and how it's helping change the world. So Sorin, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you very much. Let's talk about Earn It first, because I, I was uh, really blown away by the mission that you have. Uh, to Tell us about Earn It. Well, um, Earn It is em empowering children with essential lifelong skills. Uh, and we do that with a, with a physical piggy bank that's connected to an app, which is connected to a real-time bank account. So our big mission is to empower children with essential lifelong skills by making digital money tangible. That, that, I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic uh, elevator pitch. <laughs> so um, how did you sort of, first of all, come up with this idea of empowering children? Was it a light bulb moment or has it been a long kind of slow burn? The, uh, the, the story behind Reddit is, is, of course, like so many other uh, startup stories that the three founders behind Reddit, Thomas, uh, Mass and myself, we were sitting around a, a New Year's Eve table a few years ago talking about how to give our kids some, some good money habits. Thomas has two kids, Mess has three, and I have one. And we all had piggy banks when we were kids, so putting coins into, into those piggy banks and, and pouring it out and counting it, that was like our first interaction with money. And we couldn't really see our own kids doing the same thing, mainly because we were using our, our credit cards to pay with, our, or our phones to pay with. So I think what really hit it home for me was when my own daughter called my credit card for, for the magic card because she thought it was like this, this, uh, this card with just an endless amount of money. So uh, we decided uh, then and there that we're going we're gonna to do something about it. We were going to go out and, and, and research the area and, and create a, a product. And uh, along came, uh, came Earn It, uh, a physical piggy bank connected to an app. Now, what, what is actually really interesting is, first of all, you're sitting around a table and it's New Year's Eve. And all you can think about is starting a business. <laughs> um, I'm surprised you remember the conversation. Yeah, it's uh, it's of course it's, it's a long time ago now, but it's 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 also one of those defining moments where you're like sitting together with some friends and you're you're talking about life and you're talking about what's the what's the next year going to be like, and uh, I just heard the term uh, a wine entrepreneur. Uh, I remember that a few weeks before that New Year's Eve, and a wine entrepreneur is is one of those guys that can just talk about all the good ideas when he gets a glass of wine and then never does anything about it. And I just decided then and there that I didn't want to be that guy. So, uh, yeah, we became a champagne entrepreneurs instead, I guess. <laughs> now, the idea of this show is to inspire uh, the listeners, the apps to try. And uh, what's really interesting is you're starting a business with friends. So tell us about the circumstances you were all in, because it, it's a big jump to go from having that uh, like light bulb moment to then actually 
running your own startup with the three of you. Yeah. What um, What was your sort of personal circumstances at the time? Well, at the time, I was uh, an editor in chief at uh, one of Denmark's biggest uh, financial media. Uh, so I'm a I'm a I'm a journalist by background. I also have some some business degrees as well. So I was sitting in a really well paid job, and the same goes for for Thomas and Mass. They were with, within the um, uh, digital industry and and ma- making apps and and working with the ad agencies and, and stuff like that. And we were all sitting, really having having some some good jobs, having uh, having wives, having having children, mortgages, everything. But, but this was just too big of an opportunity to say no to. Um, so we uh, we decided that we were gonna first of all we're gonna play it safe in the beginning because we were gonna have our own uh, normal jobs, and then at at night and during the weekends we would work on on earn it in the beginning. Uh, so we did that for uh, for one and a half years, and 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 I remember the big changing moment. That was when we got the first investors on board, the first business angels on board. Uh, we we got some business angels saying, "Yeah, we want to put money into into earn it." And I remember going back to my wife the same evening, telling her, "Well, we got these two business angels. They want to put money into into earn it." And she just looked at me and said, "Well, then you have to quit your job." So there was like no question of us taking that jump and and doing this because this was just again this was a one of a lifetime opportunity and uh, I wanted to be I wanted to be more than just that wine entrepreneur I guess. You know you know what what I love about um, doing this podcast is we learn so much about, about the right way to pursue a dream and uh, just two episodes ago we learned that you know when the right time is to quit the your corporate job your well-paid salary and again it's come up in this episode where you just knew after a year and a half of uh, obviously hard work and weekends that you knew when to quit and, and was it the same for your co-founders did they follow the same traject the same path as you yeah definitely there was there was no question of, of us wanting to try this out and we also had the huge support from our families which is it's it's just really it's impossible to do something like this if you don't have the, the the support from from your family and also during the the hard grind which we're in right now because you can always talk about what it is like to start something up but then going going through the the first couple of months and going through the first uh, first year and then the second year you're going to you, you get into this grind where of course there's a lot of hard work and I think that's a lot of the things that people don't hear as much about that's the the grind, the, the 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 middle part. You hear about you hear about the beginning, you hear about the the end, but less about the the middle of it all. Yeah, well, that's what we'd like to explore because what we try and do is uh, unravel the real story behind these, uh, you know, people like yourself. And uh, what what I'm really impressed with is the fact that you know a year and a half is not an impulse per uh, an impulse uh, decision. <laughs> it's actually uh, you obviously know that that's what you want to do, and that the idea is solid by then because you've invested so much time uh, so you made the transition and what and any tips or uh, any strategy for going from you know a th- three of you uh, earning a good salary and being able to pay your mortgage and stuff to to then uh, basically being uh, uh, reliant on your, your startup to fund your um, you know your own life I think one of the, the the things that I I think is important is of course the family that you need to have the support of your family to be able to do this or else it's 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 not going to work. The second part is that you have to have um, a time uh, a time path going going forward, saying that at this point we'll we'll give it we'll give it a whatever time it needs. Uh, but you have to like 
be able to say for us, for instance, we said, okay, we'll give it 12 months. We'll work without a salary for 12 months. And after 12 months, there needs to be uh, a salary. It doesn't have to be big. And uh, believe me, it's not big right now, but there's a salary. And that was like the plan that we set. We'll work a year for free and then something needs to happen, right? So I think that's really important to have a, a time a time schedule going forward because if you're not doing that, then you're just working in, onto oblivion and you can do that as a startup. You know, that's a massive lesson and I don't think we've learned that in, in all these 530 episodes, which is to set a, a target and have... Uh, the target be uh, earning a salary because I guarantee there's people listening to this that uh, are probably, uh, you know, ma- realizing they've made their mistake because they've worked so many years for uh, next to nothing and just tried to survive and, and you get used to it. So so I love that. Uh, and so that, let's move the journey on then. You, um, what, what were the big challenges um, uh, as you progress then in, in building a, what I assume is a prototype and showing it around to talk us through the, the kind of early start of the journey? Of course, being a, being a hardware startup, also with an app, of course, but being a hardware startup, the prototype is, is of course... Um, it's it's much more expensive to make than than making making the, the the software part. Of course, it depends on what kind of app you're doing. But but uh, but in general, let's just say that hardware is yeah, it is hard. It takes time to uh, time and money to get to a to a point where you think that the product is also worth showing showing to somebody else. In in our case, uh, the the uh, the the prototype that we were working on after we quit our jobs was the prototype for the Kickstarter campaign. So we did a crowdfunding campaign uh, at the uh, in the fall of 2015, uh, and that the the money that we that that we got from the business angels uh, that was that was spent on doing that campaign, making a prototype, making a marketing material, uh, making the website, um, doing PR, uh, all of those things. So that was the first big step, uh, and just just dwelling a little bit about the the, the MVP or or the prototype. I think this is one of the big lessons as well for me is, okay, what is a prototype that is good enough? What is an MVP that is good enough? Because going into it, I think all of us uh, three founders, we had different definitions of what that MVP, what that prototype should look like. Uh, I think that's something that you have to discuss really early on uh, in regards to what is the, uh, the company's MVP. You know, and also just reminding me that uh, we've had uh, quite a few past episodes uh, talking about successful Kickstarter campaigns. And uh, what I've learned from you is the fact that uh, many people assume that it's free money. You just put in a pay, put up a page and then it's going to take off. But you invested uh, your uh, funding in all the, the things that are required on a Kickstarter campaign. But then I, I guess that not only gave you additional funding, but a ready-made uh, a customer base. Yeah, yeah, it did. But I have to say that, uh, at least in our case, the, the Kickstarter campaign was way more uh, validating the product than it was getting um, getting funding, getting financials. It, we raised uh, $80,000. Um, and, and that was uh, not nearly enough to start the production uh, making the development for for the the real product but it was enough to to make that product validation and also show investors uh, see uh, there's a market for for this and 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 also getting insights into what kind of product the end users would want and that, that's in my opinion the biggest uh, lessons you can get from a kickstarter campaign it's 
It's learning about your customers, putting a product out there, and and putting putting uh, people's uh, money where their mouths are, uh, so to speak. You 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 force uh, people to buy your product, not just say that oh that's nice. No, you have to buy it. And uh, you know, actually, I was thinking about the uh, target customers. I mean, how many parents are on the planet that have kids that use technology? It must be huge. Um, talk us through the product then, because I'm still unclear exactly how the product works. And we're, of course, many people are listening to this whilst driving or doing you know something. And, and so let's try and describe visually the the product and and uh, and how how it benefits the children. Yeah, yeah. Like um, uh, I want to start with like just a normal use case, and a normal use case would be that. That a family, of course, signs up uh, for the for the product, and they have both the app and they they have the the, the physical piggy bank as well. They um, and then it's really important that it's the child that sets uh, sets the goal. Uh, there's goals within the app, so the goal can be anything from an iPad, a bike, or a gift for mom. And and then uh, parents and and grandparents and other grown-ups with the with those magic cards that I was talking about before, they can then transfer money directly into the piggy bank. Uh, each time they do, uh, this physical piggy bank, it, it lights up and, and plays a sound, and then the child has to go physically and interact with the piggy bank, pressing its snout. And when it does that, the money is claimed, and then in the app, the child can then uh, distribute the money between the different goals that it, it has set, and that's the way that we're making digital money uh, tangible. That's incredible. So uh, any family member then can use what their um, uh, account uh, like their uh, physical account and is it what is it at the moment global yeah it is global but but the the, the money part the real money part is only doable in 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 denmark uh, as it is it's not doable yet in, in the rest of the world uh, that's because of course uh, we have to start uh, building uh, relationships with with the bank infrastructure in each in each country uh, and and again starting this journey out uh, with the, with the kickstarter campaign we were really naive uh, about the uh, the whole infrastructure of, of money. Even though I've I've worked within uh, financial services, we were still really naive. Uh, and and we are we're at at a point now where we have real money in the product, but only for the Danish customers. Whereas the uh, the uh, the global product does not have real money in it yet. You know, sorry, and it's quite interesting how this show works out. Just the previous guest was talking about uh, her name is Alicia. Uh, Rosma Nesmak, and she uh, was talking about uh, fintech and um, the like, the challenges in regulation and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but but I'm guessing, are you able to take uh, cryptocurrency and change that into local currency yet, or, or is that an, another step that you're uh, on on your feature list? That's a, that's another step, but it's actually it's funny that you mentioned it because it's actually a step that we've already made. Um, We've gone away from again, and the reason for that is that the the users were not ready for it yet. Because uh, actually, the first currency that we uh, that we combined with with our solution was uh, a blockchain. Uh, and on the blockchain, this this blockchain uh, bank that we were working with, they actually had fifty different currencies that you could put into the product. And we uh, we had the whole backend linked up to it, and it was ready to go. But uh, again, going back to the insights that you get from your customers doing a Kickstarter campaign, the, the customers were just not ready for it. Uh, they were still um, unwary of putting money, putting children's money 
on uh, on blockchain that was related to Bitcoin, that was related to some kind of um, bad bad behavior. Uh, at least at the point when we were we were we were doing this, uh, I guess the the market is more mature today. But I would still say that when it, when it, when we have to do with with real money and especially children's money, um, there's there's still the, the the market is not mature enough for for blockchain, in my opinion. Yeah, what what's really interesting is listening to to you, uh, like uh, in terms of the idea is is just wonderful. Then listening to all the challenges that you have to go through, you, you've got to have uh, grit and stamina in this this whole startup world, haven't you, to see, fulfill your dream? Because it, it must just drive you insane, uh, you know, competing with all these challenges as you try and deliver what seems like a, a, just the most amazing idea. I think uh, one of the main characteristics for for a, for a founder uh, for a startup has to be uh, be a bit naive in the beginning and then have a lot of perseverance. Uh, I think if you don't have those characteristics, you're it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because you have to be a bit naive in the beginning, saying okay, uh, I can do this. Uh, it's not not a, not a big problem, and then also just uh, sticking to it afterwards and not taking a, a no for a no. Um, so I think I've had so many sales meetings, so many investor meetings where I've, I've heard a no and I'm actually thinking inside my head, but you're, but you're actually saying maybe and even yes, right? So you have to have that kind of world, worldview that, uh, that, that, that a no is, is not always a no. Yes. And that's what, um, again, we're, we're learning from all the co-founders that come on here is that, uh, if there was too many yeses, then maybe, uh, uh, the the idea is not so good. You need you need a lot of um, pessimism because uh, that means let you know the, the, there's opportunities to um, really crack a new market. Uh, and so uh, you know one of the, um, the the chats I'm reminded of is when the, one of the co-founders of um, a drinking app uh, actually sat next to someone using his app and, and was just delighted to see the uh, benefit it was bringing this user. What what's it been like to sit in, in with a family? And watch them play with your your product. Is it a really enlightening moment? I think it's one of the most giving moments that I've ever ever had. Just just getting the response from the families and and, and the children, like when when they see uh, earn it the uh, the physical part uh, for the first time, and when they start using it, and and getting these emails, getting getting people's responses on, oh, this is this is just uh, so much so much fun, and even. Even just a small uh, thing like like having a physical object that has to do with um, with digital money is enough to start the conversation. And for me, that's been like the most eye-opening thing of of them all. That you actually don't need need that much to to start a conversation about this, but you need something more than just an app. Uh, and and uh, and that's that's been really really in our perspective uh, a great thing because that was what we started out as well, like saying, okay, we need to make. How, how can we make this uh, these this money tangible for for kids the age of four and up? Uh, because they're not they they're not used to having a phone with an app on it. And as long as we are bound to these bodies, we have some senses that needs to be nurtured. Uh, this is what all experts are agreeing on. So if we can if we can make uh, money, uh, uh, if, you can, if you can view it, if you can if you can hear it, and if you can touch it, there's there's more learning in it in, than if you can just for instance, touch it. So, from that perspective, having having those children and those families responding to the physical uh, piggy bank with your interaction with with the app, that's just uh, tremendously giving. Yeah, and actually, uh, I was thinking, 
there's two things that come to mind. One is that it must eventually bring a lot of families around the world together, you know, because I can imagine sitting with your kid, your child, and say, hey, look, Auntie Gertrude is, uh, from Australia has uh, given you some pocket money towards that bike. And uh, it must bring a lot of families t together. Do you see that goal? That, that is definitely something that we're like, like, I think we started out looking at it as, as purely like money. Uh, like, okay, how can we make this money tangible? But then, then it also grew bigger and bigger uh, to, okay, you can actually use money to teach children about perseverance. You can teach children about patience. You can teach them how to, uh, how to make uh, delayed gratification. And you can also connect people uh, because like my, my, my mom and dad, they're, they're living on the west coast of Denmark and I'm living on the east coast in, in Copenhagen. So we, we don't see them that much, but they can, they can then send, uh, send money uh, through Earn It to uh, to my daughter's uh, piggy bank and 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 that is like that's a connection right there and i think that's um, that's a really uh, a great thing within within this uh, as well that we're connecting families connecting uh, people in general and and the second thing i was reminded of is the fact that um, by teaching children how to save uh, there's a, a book i've just read by tony robbins called unshakable and in there he talks about if you start at a very young age you know 18 uh, investing in the stock market and make, make, just saving you know, a very small percentage of your salary, uh, you are going to uh, ultimately you know, end up uh, having assets well over a, a million just because of uh, compound interest and the fact that it compounds over the years. And so you know, trying to encourage, because uh, we're a nation of uh, debtors, aren't we? Um, uh, we? We've got this credit card debt like problem all around the West. Yeah. And, uh, you're yeah, obviously that's, that's, challenged uh, with that. Yeah, and that's that's of course uh, that's something that, that we meet uh, almost everywhere that we go, uh, especially in, for instance, a country like the U.S., uh, where we've spent a lot of time as well. Uh, there, people are like really afraid that their children will go into huge debt, not only because of college, but also just because that you don't have the same uh, sense of, of of value as you as you had before. For, for the money because in everything is is uh, is uh, you can get everything instantly uh, and I think that that's one of the dangers of, of where we are with this convenience is that you from the, the the convenience of your home you can buy everything in the world uh, practically and you can get it shipped right to your door so you don't feel the same kind of pain of letting letting go of something like you did before when you had uh, uh, you had physical cash so that is that is something again that we're that we're, um, we're looking into and we're trying to solve and we get all these experts from around the world contacting us because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not something that's been done before. So we're actually touching into something scientific here as well. Uh, and, and that's what's, what makes it exciting as well is that it's not defined yet how this is supposed to work and how we're going to teach children uh, about money when there's no physical cash anymore. But we're, with Earn It, trying to solve that. Uh, so sadly, sorry, we've we're got to wrap this up soon. But uh, what I was uh, wondering is like for all those uh, parents who are listening, who are like eager to get involved, what, what, how um, best can they? I'm guessing like the Danish listeners are, um, are, are pretty all right. Um, but uh, how, yeah, you, I'm guessing like anyone globally can at least sign up to follow your journey and then eventually uh, sign up. Yeah, definitely. You can go into earnit.com and you can sign up to our to our newsletter, and you can you can also uh, uh, at, at the same point uh, be a part of the pre-orders. Uh, so you can go in and 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 sign up for that, and then uh, we'll let you know once we're we're ready to to ship out to uh, 
to the people uh, after the Kickstarter campaign because we're still we're still shipping to the Kickstarter campaign people as is right now, but we're taking pre-orders in and and ready to to make the make the next batch as well. So uh, the journey goes on. <laughs> it does. Um, and how best can people reach out to yourself, Sorin? What's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, I'm I'm pretty active on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and unfortunately, I have a pretty common name in Denmark, so uh, I guess I'm not I'm not that easy to find. Uh, but if you write uh, Soren Nielsen and you, uh, you write Earn It as well, uh, then you should find me. Um, but that's I guess that's one of the easiest way of getting in getting in touch with me. Yeah, I wish I had a unique name. Uh, Paul Kemp is also. <laughs> I'm, I'm sharing uh, my name with uh, a guy who writes Star Wars books. So, um, yeah, I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. You can just go to theappguy.co and uh, search for episode 530. So for all of you who are too busy to um, write this down, just remember, go to theappguy.co, episode 530, and you'll be able to uh, connect with Sorin uh, on LinkedIn. Oh, it's been a, a wonderful present journey. I love talking about how to change the world, and, and you know, certainly starting with children is probably the best way. And uh, all the best, Sorin, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you.